Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are examining the two enemies of the gospel, legalism and antinomianism, and that word just simply means anti-law. And the reason why we're looking at these subjects is because it is in reference to our upcoming conference, November 8th and 9th. Um, The theme this year is In Christ Alone, and one of the sessions will deal with our obedience, which is neither um, law-driven in the sense of the legalist, nor is it anti-law in the sense of the antinomian, but it's an obedience that's grounded in love um, for Christ. We hope that you can come to that conference, ReformationBoise.com is all the details. So let's pick up where we kind of ended yesterday. Um, we had been talking about that we can't merit anything from God. That, and mm-hmm. I just preached this, been preaching through the parables, and I want to just read this parable um, and then turn it over to Jonathan because he has some helpful classifications for. There are different um, aspects of of legalism, and so sometimes it's helpful to to stop and pause and, and think about those different things. But the parable mm-hmm. is in Luke seventeen, and it says. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? And the answer is, well, no, of course not. He's a servant. He's a slave. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you will eat and drink? Yes, of course. That's what's going to happen. He's going to serve the master. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? And the obvious answer is, well, no, he's a servant. He's a slave. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And the, the sense is you can't merit anything. This is the relationship between a master and slave in the first century. Think about the difference between God, the creator, and, and humans, created beings. It's mm-hmm. much wider than that relationship. Mm-hmm. But grace comes in, not in the parable, but in the context of the overall story. The very things that God's, that Jesus is saying here is, are you going to be commanded? Are you going to be thanked? And the bottom line is, we are, yeah. out of grace. Mm-hmm. Will we be? Will the master say, come and eat with us? The, the answer in the parable is, well, no. But the bottom line is, we are going to be asked to come and, yeah. and eat and dine with the master. Yeah. So... It, the parable is well wonderful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's right. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what it's going to be in the end. So our attitude is, well, no, I can't merit anything, mm-hmm. but grace merits something for us. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a healthy distinction between um, the proper view of law and grace. Yeah. So right. we were talking about the attitudes yesterday that accompany legalism because some people kind of 
put legalism into one camp that it legalism is only that class that says I earn my salvation through right. faith and works. So you had a very insightful thing about the four classes of yeah. legalism. Actually, it comes from um, Professor Dan Doriani. He's a professor at Covenant uh, Theological Seminary, a professor of New Testament. He he talks about that. You know, four classes. The one class one was the ones that look at what they do as part of their self-salvation. You know, this is what I have to do to get God's favor and salvation. And you think about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus at night. What must I do? You know, that was the—he wanted to know the one thing that he had to do. Um, And And quite honestly, that is the foundation of many cults and many— other major religions of the world that it's work based that yeah. we find favor with God or in other cases with their deity mm-hmm. um, by earning it. Yeah. So class one legalism that's kind of your your classical kind of historical view that most people would identify legalism with. The right. way that I earn favor with God is through what I do. Yeah, ultimately earning salvation at class one. Class two is you know. What what things thou do I have to do to stay in his favor? That's class two. So that yeah. means like I, I've been saved by grace and yeah. the gospel, but yeah. now that those past works are paid for, now I need to now continue what, to yeah, maintain. What good deeds or spiritual disciplines do I have to perform to retain that favor of God? That's and, the book of Galatians. And and, and, right. that, and and you know, there are people that feel like they can you know, they can fall out of that out of out of grace they can fall you know they're you know they you know we'll we'll talk about the assurance of salvation at at our conference you know but there are some people that you know every time they stub their toe and uh, think a bad thought they they're in danger of hell right in that so what do i have to do to stay in in and there's probably a good deal of evangelicals in that second class oh yeah where they would say well no i didn't earn my salvation but i better i'm, I'm kept there by what i do right i'm right. kept there by and they might not ever articulate that, but they live like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and and they, you know, you know, I I I did have a man in one of my early churches. Um, he had been a truck driver, and he had he had in order to maintain this favor, he had to so reduce his behavior to an acceptable level that you know he only made maybe error, you know some errors and mistakes. He never sinned anymore. He actually had on the wheel cover his van of his van. Yeah, the line from that song, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Because he had you know, he had reached that point because that was what he had to do to maintain salvation. Right. Um well going on, the class three legalist, um, they love the law. They love it so much. Uh, they love the law that they don't want to they 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 don't want to uh, break the law, so they they put a fence out in front of the law, so they don't even get close. You know, so it's not enough to for the sign to say keep off the grass. Now they're gonna they're gonna put a fence around the yard so that nobody can step on it. And and this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were they're building fences. They were creating new laws. They had you know they they multiplied the law, uh, you know, to add things just so long. You know, like for instance. Um, they didn't want to take the name of of the of the Lord in vain, so they you know when the scribes were writing it out, they would put other vowels in in place of the vowels that would have said the name Yahweh. They put other vowels in there, so um, they get that, and it would be an unknown word. They just kind of skip over it. That right. was a law. They didn't want to ever speak God's name because they didn't want to take it in 
vein. Then, then we get into something a little closer that we all identify with. Um, class four legalists. We, we avoid those three errors, um, but we ag- accentuate the obedience of the law. Uh, so, um, you know, and there's a reasoning that goes about, you know, God has saved us, God has delivered us, He's redeemed us at a cost. Now He demands service from us. You know, this is our duty to God, you know, that we're going to do it. And, and there's an important way, you know, you know, because he has saved us, we owe obedience. What have we done but, but our duty mm-hmm. is what you were reading, Russ. You know, this is, this is our duty before him, uh, you know, but it's, you know, he's given us these things. We end up dwelling on the law of God so much that though we forget about the love of God, the grace of God that he's poured into our hearts, that we're able to work out that. With fear and trembling, because he works in us to will and to do those things, yeah. and and so we we're delighting in that law instead of delighting in um, God. Yeah, and so and one, us, one of the devastating psychological effects I would say of any one of those classes really is you either turn into a person who is anxious and worried and overwhelmed and despairing. Right. Because you actually know that you're not obeying. Yeah. Or you turn into a very arrogant and proud and ungenerous right. person because you do think you're performing and you're measuring your performance against yeah. everybody else who's not performing. Yeah, we can say things true about what God requires of it, but we do it in such a way that it's oppressive. It you know, it's oppressive to proclaim that Christ is the lawgiver to whom we owe a vast amount of debt and that we must somehow repay him for his gifts to us. And the, and so, in a sense, I, you know, this is the legalist that we often uh, come up against, you know, in ourselves and in others, where the accent on the law of God is an oppressive thing rather than something that we delight in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, know, you only have to read uh, Psalm 119, long psalm, but, you know, um, you know, the his law is a delight. It's honey to our mouth. I mean, everything about it is is wonderful. He gives me, I, I can walk in his precepts and delight in them. Yeah. Um, and I think as pastors, we can actually um, drive people into this class four that mm-hmm. are called to our congregation to use the means of grace, to to be in God's word, to be in prayer, to to live lives of obedience and I mean, we want people to to practice the spiritual disciplines, and and we know the benefit of it. But we can emphasize that so much that we're actually creating legalists that that we're given the impression that that's that's how they uh, their right standing with God is maintained. Um, and I came across a, a quote once that said, "Well, what you you can do to kind of test whether your sermons are directed that way is ask." Would your sermon be acceptable in a mosque or a synagogue? <laughs> and if or it in would, a ward. then you're then you're you're in trouble because yeah. that means it didn't have much gospel, it didn't have much grace in the sermon. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we, well intentioned, we know the benefits of obedience, a life of obedience. We know the benefits of a life of practicing the spiritual disciplines, and then all of a sudden we emphasize that to to. The, the detriment of, of talking about the gospel and about we don't, grace. Yeah, we don't talk about the power to do any of those mm-hmm. things. We don't talk about the indwelling Christ. We don't talk about how uh, he's the one that works in us those desires to will and to do what he wants us to do. Yeah. 
And I was just going to say, and then what, what we create is anxious people like Josh was saying. We create people that are despairing, people that um, almost defeat us like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't measure up. Yeah. I can't. Or we do the opposite where people are saying, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I'm yeah. great yeah. Christian, I if only other people were doing what right. I was doing, I go to all these Bible studies, I and it becomes a list of of, yeah. of what I have done. We're yeah. giving them Nike religion. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. What we've done too is we've separated the law from the person of Christ. Yeah. Which is exactly what And the love that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the law the, the, is in the context of love, yeah. always in love. Even that, that famous command or that famous passage in, in Mark where Jesus says that um, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. God didn't give us the law as an end in itself. Yes, right. He gave us the law um, to teach us as Christians. And we're going to get into this distinction mm-hmm. between the, the different uses of the law. But I'm just going to jump right now to the third use of the law. God gave us this law to teach us what it means to love him, mm-hmm. not to put us in bondage. Right. And so if we separate the, 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 the main end of the law, mainly to direct our hearts to him, and we make it an end in itself, that is legalism. Before, mm-hmm. before you even do anything, that's yeah. legalism when you separate it from the, the person of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Sinclair Ferguson in his book, Devoted to God, we've been quoting the, the whole Christ, but his Devoted to God is a great book. It's a blueprint for sanctification, and he has this great one-liner. In fact, love was always at the heart of God's law. It was given by love to be received in love and obeyed through love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just very helpful. Yeah. By love, in love, through love. Absolutely. Right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We're talking about this, this issue of legalism and also antinomianism because it will be one of our sessions coming up in our conference this year, November 8th and 9th. We have two great guest speakers, Dr. Mark Jones and Dr. Cornelis Venema. <laughs> I have to rib my co-host with me at this point. Um, And it's November 8th and 9th. You definitely want to come. Four great sessions on the gospel, on Jesus Christ. Go to ReformationVoice.com. You can register there. All registers will get a free book at the door. And it'll be a great time of fellowship with other churches as well. We hope to see you there. We'll see you next time. 